to Cincy Reformed. I'm Pastor Brandon. A few weeks back, we were interviewed by Reverend Matthew Joyner um, on his podcast called Taproot Faith, and we were discussing uh, the issue of sola scriptura, and we thought it, it would be a good opportunity to share that conversation here on Cincy Reformed. So I hope you enjoy that conversation we had with Reverend Matthew Joyner. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Taproot Faith. This is your host, Matt. And uh, I have special guests with me today, but before we get to them, let's begin with our usual scripture reading. How I love your instruction. It is my meditation all day long. Your command makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is always with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, because your decrees are my meditation. I understand more than the elders, because I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path to follow your word. I have not turned from your judgments, for you yourself have instructed me. How sweet your word is to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. I have solemnly sworn to keep your righteous judgments. I am severely afflicted, Lord, give me life according to your word. Psalm 119, verses 97 through 107. And let's pray together. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. So again, as I said today, we have very special guests, and I'm uh, thrilled to have uh, on the podcast today my fellow Cincinnatians, uh, the hosts of the Cincy Reformed podcast, and the pastors, plural, right, of uh, Westside Reformed Church in Cincinnati, uh, Zach Wise and Brandon Burks. Uh, would you guys take a minute, tell us who you are, what you are, what your deal is, <laughs> tell us about your church, your podcast, all that good stuff. Fire away. So, uh, yeah, my name is Brandon Burks, and um, uh, one of the pastors at Westside Reformed Church. I um, grew up Roman Catholic. I became a Baptist when I was serving in the Navy and um, uh, went to uh, a boys' college where I became more Calvinistic. I ended up at Westminster um, uh, uh, Theological Seminary in Pennsylvania, where I grew much more Reformed. Um, and then I served for over three years as a Baptist pastor, but uh, just during during that time, growing much more reformed. And so I uh, made the transition to the uh, URCNA, and I was installed as a pastor there uh, this last October. I'm married, um, have uh, three children, and yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Zach? Sure, yeah. My name's uh, Zach, as you already noted. My uh, wife is named Casey. We've got three kids and a fourth on the way. Uh, I arrived in Cincinnati back in 2013. To uh, I was called here to plant uh, a URC church. And um, the United Reformed Churches are from the Dutch Reformed uh, lineage, just for your listeners' information. 
But um, yeah, I came out here in 2013 to plant uh, that church. And so I've been laboring uh, with that for about nine years. I'm really glad to have uh, Brandon now um, uh, alongside me. And um, yeah, we, you mentioned our podcast. We, uh, our church, Westside Reformed Church, uh, sponsors a podcast called uh, Cincy Reformed. And so that's a weekly podcast that we do. And just trying to cover different, um, the, the Christian faith from different angles and trying to make it accessible to the uh, lay person, accessible to people who might not be very familiar with uh, Reformed Christianity. So Very good. And your podcast is uh, how I first became aware of you guys. I was listening to you guys before I moved back to Cincinnati from mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. And uh, if you guys remember, I fanboyed you a little bit to uh, <laughs> to reach out to you guys when I first moved down here. Um, and also, the just just so my listeners know that uh, you know communication between Anglicans and Dutch Reformed is not as unusual as you might think. Yeah, you know, we we had representatives at the Synod of Dort, right? <laughs> That's right. And the the prayer that you opened up the podcast with, we use that almost every Sunday. So yeah, absolutely. And it's from the it's from the it's from the prayer book. So it is. That's right. It is. We're not <laughs> quite too far apart. So yeah. <laughs> absolutely absolutely so well hey guys uh just uh so everybody's aware we talked about this before we started rolling but um i'm at least on my end considering this part two of our discussion of being rooted in scripture last week we talked about how important it is for the christian to be rooted in scripture to have the scripture as our basis of life for everything that we do and we began to look at what happens when we start to move away from that and i wanted to have uh, zach and brandon on today to dive in a little bit more into this question and to to look at what this looks like even further when we drift away from that and just how the three of us can kind of flesh out a little bit um, what we can do to become more tethered and more deep into the tradition. Uh, and so we have before us the ability to solve all the world's problems today, guys. <laughs> um, as as uh, and as anytime any theology nerds uh, or politics nerds get into a, a car on a road trip or something like that. We solve all the world's problems um, and uh, largely forget about them by the time we get to our destination. But this is being <laughs> but this is being recorded, so we won't forget. <laughs> so, right. so, but I wanted to just right out of the gate, um, just in terms of personally and congregationally, um, what do you guys see um, it means to be rooted in Scripture, to have Scripture as your base? What does that What does that mean? from your vantage point. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I think, um, I think for me anyway, I, um, that uh, in terms of the life of the congregation, um, I think that as the congregation sees the, the centrality of the word Sunday after Sunday, I think that that is a, is, is, is a key part of, of helping the congregation um be rooted in scripture. You know, they're saying the, the centrality of the word that's really pervasive throughout the entire divine service from the call to worship to the benediction. It is very much word centered. And, um, but also seeing it fleshed out in, in, in our personal lives, you know, as we bring scripture to bear in uh, marriage counseling or um, if somebody's dealing with an issue, you know, taking taking them back to scripture and showing how it is really from scripture that we launch into um, into everything. Um, scripture gives us reality, as as one uh, person put it. Um, scripture shows us the grain of reality, and so if we're not living within the grain of reality, then we are living something that's um, akin to like a Disneyland. 
something that's fake, something that's not real. And so trying to see, um, trying to form, I guess you could say, a biblical worldview by which we view all of uh, life through the lens of the Bible, um, as Calvin talked about the spectacles of, of, of Scripture, seeing everything through those lenses. And um, uh, yeah, I think that that's when you begin to see the world as it as it really is. And um, and then everything that's that contradicts uh, that would, would then be false. And so showing um, our standard, I think, is one way to really instill uh, a scripture in terms of uh, the supremacy of it, the foundational um, um, ultimate authority that it has uh, in and through the, uh, the uh, congregation. And I love how um, Cornelius Van Til put it. He said, we make scripture the standard of our thinking and not our thinking the standard of scripture. So as great as our minds are, they function within, within the bounds of God's word. Um, and so we do not stand over God's word and judgment upon it or anything like that. But um, scripture is the standard of our thinking. Really fulfilling that scriptural mandate to make every thought captive right. uh, to Christ, right? So, Zach, anything you want to throw in there? I think that that concept of authority is... Uh, we could probably spend the entire podcast on this because when we begin to think about the authority of scripture, we're not just talking about the authority of scripture. We're talking about the authority of God through Christ over us. And I think Absolutely. that once we really trace scripture back to its um, God-given uh, origin or its, its origin in God and the purpose for which he gave it, and that begins to, I think, show us how that, uh, how, how we, need to be rooted uh, in it because Christ has called us to be his disciples. And right now I'm preaching through Matthew and um, discipleship is so key and the authority of Christ is so key. And you have to ask that question. Well, how then is it that, that God through Christ exercises authority over us? Well, it is by uh, his word, Holy scripture, which as one of my professors used to say, I mean, that is our constitution. It constitutes us as the people of God. It constitutes us as a Christian, a submissive disciple of, of God in, in Christ. And so when we begin to think about rootedness in scripture, we're coming really back to our very identity as being a Christian, that our identity as a Christian is one who's um, uh, under the authority of, um, of the triune, uh, triune God. And so I think that, you know, you're asking a very ultimate question there. Yeah. And um, it's a good question, obviously. Well, well, is that, is that, you mentioned a minute ago, the, that phrase, the purpose of scripture is, is that, that constituting of the people of God, is that how you see the purpose of scripture? Is that the purpose for which God gave it to us? Or is there even, even a larger, more ultimate reason why the Lord gave it to us? Wow. Yeah. I mean, certainly one of the purposes is to call us out of darkness mm. into his light. And so as Scripture comes to us uh, through its reading and preaching and through the sacraments. Scripture comes to us and it calls us out of darkness into light. Uh, but then obviously that same word, that creative word of God that brings new creation, it reverberates out then from us to then bring life uh, further afield to um, you know people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, and eventually to the uh, new creation as well as Christ comes back and speaks that divine word, that heavenly word. So 
you know, through when we think about the the word of God and its purpose here, where you know we we have a hint of that in the, in the creation account as God speaks, but then we begin to think about the new creation as again the product of God's word, and so you know God creating us anew. We are um, created in Christ Jesus, and that that um, uh, we are recreated in Christ uh, to begin to do what we were intended to do from creation, to be restored in the image of the new man, the second Adam, Jesus Christ, to give our response and our um, obedience to his word as our forefathers, Adam and woman did not do. And so um, there's this great project of new creation and restoration that's occurring through, uh, through the word. So, I mean, we're just talking here about being uh, just a Christian and just that, great purpose of um, redemption that God has uh, set forth. Mm-hmm. Right. Very good. Very good. Now, in terms of that, um, a minute ago, Brandon, you mentioned something that jumped out at me was that that quote that you you mentioned that scripture gives us reality. Right. And that really jumps out at me. Um, and I think that's a good point to jump into kind of our second question. Um, you know, the, the whole purpose of what we're talking about and what I'm trying to do here is to point out that we as a culture and even as a church have become somewhat unmoored. Um, and, and, you know, even if we do engage with scripture, it's usually not at a very deep level, <laughs> you know, um, you know, and if roots don't go deep, the, the plant sort of withers. Right. Um, so my question, you know, then is, you know, with that eye toward reality and, you know, do we believe that our culture and our churches are losing or even have largely lost uh, our rootedness in scripture. And would you then say as a, by virtue of that, that we've lost a sense of reality? Well, I mean, so when, when you say our churches, um, I guess we need to kind of define what, what we mean there. Well, like, well let's say American evangelism. <laughs> okay. So like broad, the broad evangelicalism in America. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that we see, see some bad trends. Um, um, we even, uh, for example, the, um, Ligonier study that's done every year that talks about the state of of, of the churches and it it, it pulls right. evangelical right. churches and asks some questions and it like year after year like the the, the the percentage of heretical answers seem to be getting larger and larger and so I do think that we're seeing some some pretty bad trends in 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 the church broadly speaking. And, and also in the culture, I mean, we're seeing a lot of darkness. Um, a lot of uh, people are calling good evil and evil good. And so, yeah, I th- think that there's a sense in which when you um, when you start moving away from Scripture, when you start moving away from uh, God's intention and 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 the, the purpose of reality, God's moral law, etc., I think that you begin to go go um, go off a bit. In one in one sermon that I gave, I talked about how it's almost like uh, you have a map of Disney World, and then you're trying to navigate like Manhattan. Um, you have like the wrong map, and so that's really what's happening as you. As you deviate and 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 cast your own vision and contradict uh, the reality in which God has created, then then you're off on on weird, um, yeah, you're off on a on on a weird made up place, and you're using a made up map, and your glasses that you're viewing the world are skewed and colored, and it's going to be distorted at the end at the end of the day. Do you think, do you think any of that comes from, or not any of it, I'm sure that there is, but how much of that do you think comes from latching on to other 
uh, sources of authority. You know, it's, well, it's, we, we look at this map because we trust the person that gave it to us more than, you know, and, and so, so for example, like I can speak to this as a, as an Anglican, you know, that the, the Anglican communion worldwide is more or less a mess. That's no secret. Um, and, you know, I, I, wish, I wish it weren't so, but it is true. And a lot of that is because other sources of authority have been introduced into the equation. Um, and that the, the statement in the 39 articles that, you know, that which is outside of scripture cannot be, you can't, you can't, anything that's not explicitly said or inferred directly from scripture cannot be taught or, or held as a matter of belief for the church. Um, but it seems, at least in our tradition, that that, you know, whether it's societal influence, cultural influence, um, the influence of scientism, um, you know, whatever it may be, there, there seems to be, at least in our tradition, largely uh, worldwide, um, that especially, you know, the Episcopal Church here, the Church of England itself, the Mother Church, that other sources of authority beyond scripture have started to become more trusted. And it goes back to the garden, I think, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, I mean, even taking it back to that very first sin, um, you had kind of an issue of authority, where as Adam and Eve are, you know, they're in the garden, that they are created to think God's thoughts after him, to live within that revelational environment by which God's special revelation, his verbal revelation, and his natural or general revelation form a connected grand scheme of God's covenant word to man. And as they're they are thinking God salts after him, the serpent comes in to Eve and begins to question, you know, has God really said? And what he what he tried to do is even before, even before he's like, you know, directly um, trying to um uh, really um really challenge the authority of God, he wants Eve to almost posture herself in such a way that she's off of God's foundation. So uh, basically bringing this scenario to Eve by which she has two competing hypotheses. You know, God has said, you, you will surely die. The, the serpent has said, surely you will not die. Now she has two competing hypotheses. And so what does she do? She stands in judgment. She has a, a different authority now. And the authority she has is, is herself her own judgment, her own reason, her own mind. And she calls God into her courtroom. She calls Satan into her courtroom. She puts on a judge's robe and she um, uh, sadly um, follows Satan and says, well, I think, I think the devil uh, had the right hypothesis that surely sure. you will not die. And so really kind of, you see uh, almost this epistemological, this authoritative shift in her mind where instead of being on God's foundation, she's on her own. And it contradicts also what uh, Jesus did. So Jesus shows us what should have happened when he's tempted by, by the devil in the wilderness. He, he quotes God, he quotes God's word. He quotes Deuteronomy three times. And uh, he showing us what should have happened, you know, as mm-hmm. Satan entered the garden, what should have um, Eve had had said. Eve should have just quoted God, cited the authority instead of trying to somehow bring both God and Satan into her courtroom and judge from a foundation of herself. Right. Going going back to our uh, Zach, I'm going to throw this one over to you. Going back to our, uh, and I can say this as as uh, an Anglican with you guys, going back to our common Reformation heritage, mm-hmm. um, you know, looking at 
Um, and of course, my, myself in my, in my own recent past coming out of the Orthodox Church um, and the authority in Rome and in Orthodoxy of tradition uh, over Scripture um, or even alongside Scripture uh, as an equal. Um, now, I, I think all three of us would probably say that to simply toss tradition out entirely is a, is a bad thing. I mean, this is right. Uh, you know, gr growing up assemblies of God, as I did, you know, that was that was done. Just any anything that happened before Brother Bill planted this church in 1960 is we don't talk about it because it didn't it didn't matter. Um, but what is then the place of tradition? from your from your perspective from your vantage point yeah i think the tradition certainly exists to be um, a conversation partner mm. to uh we don't want to do theology and do doctrine by secluding ourselves and sequestering ourselves into our lonesome closet to see what we come up with um from our own hearts uh, interpreting the Bible all by yourself is a pretty, I mean, it's, uh, it, we, we should read the Bible, of course. I'm not, but in terms of from a church leadership perspective, especially, we need to be uh, in conversation with those who've gone before us and to recognize that when, um, you know, the Nicene Creed was established, <laughs> there's a, that, that, that's not a conversation among eagles that happens at that point, <laughs> but right, uh, right. they're not um, conversing with you as, uh, as, as God would converse with you through Holy Scripture either. <laughs> so there's a, there are layers of th authority that we recognize and we um, subject ourselves to the uh, wisdom of our forefathers. Yet again, we don't confuse the wisdom of our forefathers and the interpretation that they uh, bring to us. We don't confuse that with the, the word of God inspired by the spirits and given to us as that ultimate canonical authority. So I think, you know, the, the metaphor of a, of a conversation, a partner, as long as that can be understood in nuance in different ways to recognize that, you know, a conversation that I might have with Brandon about interpreting a text of scripture, that's valuable, but it's not the exact same as uh, conversing with the Nicene Creed, of course. Right. right. <laughs> so I think that those kinds of things need to be um, uh, to be put in place and to converse then with commentaries and things like that to right. uh, subject myself and my own uh, inferior ideas at times to uh, to somebody else who can bring me back. So that might be one way of uh, articulating that. Right. I think you know, for me, I've 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 uh, I had someone say to me once, and I, I have since said it to others that. Uh, if you came up with something that nobody in 2000 years of history have come up That's with, right. you're, you're probably wrong. Did that come from R.C. Sproul, your boy? <laughs> he, he he may have said it, but I heard it from somebody. I actually, the funny thing was, I think I actually heard it when I was still within the Orthodox context. Um, and and I'm sure, I'm sure our, that sounds like something R.C. would have said, um, <laughs> along with many other choice little nuggets um, that are so, you, you notice that he's represented right here behind me as you guys are... <laughs> Ah uh, yes, I see those now. Talking about the tradition behind me, right? Um, so, well, so with 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 in our minds, knowing what relying too heavily on tradition brought about in terms of the Reformation and the the things that led up to the, the coming of the Reformation, those those abuses in in church history. Um, what would you say nowadays are the effects that come about through? 
people who have, you know, I mean, I, I can walk into Walmart and buy one of these, uh, you know, buy a Bible off the shelf in Walmart in multiple translations, I might add. Um, and, but we're still, we seem to be becoming more and more biblically illiterate, biblically unrooted. So what, what sort of modern day effects, I mean, putting aside outside the church culture, inside the church as a whole, what do you see nowadays in the evangelical world that maybe even sort of mirrors what was happening uh, in the, the 14th, 15th, and 16th centuries? Um, I think that's the, uh, was a Christian Smith who characterized the American church as uh, having a moralistic, therapeutic uh, deism. And I think that really captures so much of what we see because the Bible can be held up in the air and waved around as a symbolic gesture. And you can find it in drawers at uh, hotels. You can um, hear people decrying the fact that the Bible has no place in the um, public and you know cultural uh, public square. And however, it really comes back to the fact that uh, I think the ultimate problem is that Christians have a very shallow view of the Bible. We use it as a therapy tool, right. we use it as a self-help tool to help me in my life story, rather than to have me put to death my life story and submit it to the authority of Jesus Christ, and then to be grafted into the drama that Holy Scripture tells that we are no longer part of that kingdom of darkness, but now we're part of a greater drama that um, God is orchestrating through the Son and the Holy Spirit to bring about um, our, our death to sin and our death to our own life plan, and then being raised to life to God's uh, plan instead, and that that's a, a daily uh, a daily occurrence. And so, as we kind of as we get away from this very deep uh, reflection upon Scripture as it is brought about in the Christian tradition, we just move toward applying it like a band aid to the um, spiritual cancer of sin in our lives. And we try to make ourselves feel better. We try to just, you know, make ourselves happy. Um, creature comforts, you know, it's basically another creature comfort to apply to ourselves right. uh, rather than um, yeah, being put to death and being brought to life. So um, I guess that might be one way of starting to think about this uh, question you're asking. Yeah. Brandon, you have any, any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was I was going to say, too, going back to what you were talking about earlier about having competing uh, authorities, if you're not rooted in scripture, you just, you know, you ipso facto, we will have other competing authorities start to start to come in. And so I think that there's going to be a trend toward, towards world, worldliness, an idea that, uh, you know, we just kind of get sucked into to whatever the world's doing, whatever the culture is doing. Um, so we it might become numb to things or maybe we should, um, you know, we should be more bold, for example. So like in Hebrews 13, it tells us that we should hold marriage in high honor, but world worldliness can creep in where we're not rooted in scripture and we begin to kind of fudge a bit. We don't hold marriage in high honor and we um, kind of just capitulate to the uh, LGBTQ um, agendas, or right. perhaps we don't, um, make a firm stance on life and when life begins and we uh, just kind of give in to this kind of cultural pressures that are all around us. And so I think that, yeah, if you're not, if you're not rooted in scripture, um, you're going to, uh, yeah, your worship is going to be, uh, you know, one as, as, as Zach was talking about, 
moralistic, therapeutic, deistic, um, but also, um, yeah, you're going to be sucked in, I think, to whatever the, the standard of, of culture is doing. Right. Yeah. You can't, can't serve two masters. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, well, very, very interesting. So I just, as, as far as our, our final sort of thing we want to look at here um, is, you know, it, you know, we've, we've sort of looked at, you know, what it looks like to be rooted in scripture. We've looked at the effects of that. We've looked at varying authorities and how that can tug at us um, and sort of what the issues can be now, right down to the nitty gritty now down to the, to the practical, because we always want to be practical. Um, you know, we want, we want to make, you know, you'll, you'll notice that my, uh, like a good sermon, my podcast today had three points. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Spurgeon would be happy. Um, <laughs> so, and now we got to bring a Baptist into it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, but my question is, so how can we then encourage based on what we've talked about here, how can we encourage congregations and individuals, but let's, let's begin with congregations. How can we encourage them back towards a depth in the word, not, not just a shallowness. And now, you know, the first thing that comes to me um, and you guys can elaborate on this, please, you know, is, you know, looking at the means of grace because they are word centered, you know, whether it's preaching and hearing and reading the word publicly whether it's the word seen in the in the sacraments um, or ordinances for you Baptist folk that might be listening um, <laughs> or whether it's the word prayed and sung, you know, so, you know, but you know, those, that, that can also, that even that can get surfacey if we're not careful. Um, so what do you guys think in terms of encouraging our congregations first? And then in a few minutes, we'll look at the individual level, but our congregations first, how can we encourage our churches to move back towards a depth into the word. Before, um, you know, addressing that specifically, I think it's interesting that, you know, we're, we're looking out at the world. We're looking out at the state of the church even. And I think, you know, a lot, a lot of the impulses that we have because we see so much darkness, we see in the Psalms as well. Um, So in my uh, daily devotion today, I was reading through Psalm 11 and it was interesting how he's talking about the wicked and how the wicked are, are just everywhere. And then he says in verse three, he says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And, uh, you know, there's a lot of debate about what that uh, verse means and even how to translate uh, the Hebrew there. Right. Uh, but there's a stream of, of interpreters that would say the foundations are talking about society truth, justice, etc. And it seems as though the foundations are being destroyed by the wicked, the very foundations of a society. And so then he's asking the question, what can the righteous then do? And that's kind of the impulse that we're having here as we look around at, at darkness, at uh, the enemy, at wickedness. And we're saying, you know, what can the righteous do? And I love the very next verse, verse four, he says, the Lord is in his holy temple. Now, the Lord's throne is in heaven. So his eyes are are on God because God is the one who is fixed and stable. He's the one who's going to judge, um, ultimately uh, judge the wicked, vindicate the righteous. And he even says that in verse five, where he says, the Lord tests the righteous. So even the affliction, the righteous are feeling um, is, you know, is is uh, a test is that they will be vindicated through the suffering that they are feeling at the hands of the wicked. But the wicked are going to be judged. Um, 
And then even in into Psalm 12, where he says it looks like there are no godly people. It says he's and he even says that the faithful have vanished. And it looks like wicked are, are on are on every side. In fact, he kind of bookends Psalm 12, you know, the beginning, there's no, there's no godly. And then in verse eight, wickedness is just everywhere. But right in the middle there, looking to God, whose word is pure. God's uh, he even says that uh, the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. And so I think that's a great, I think, help too, you know, in terms of uh, our eyes on on scripture as we're looking around uh, at darkness. But um, more to your point in terms of, you know, how do we encourage it congregational level? Uh, you know, I, I think you're 100% right. It starts with the ordinary means of grace, um, word and sacrament, um, the the uh, divine service every Lord's Day from um, from call to worship to benediction and everything in between and seeing our rootedness in that story as uh, pastor zach was talking about you know being grafted into that drama and the, the more that you're uh, the more that you understand that story the more you can begin to uh, see yourself in that story and the more that story begins to be the only true story that actually exists uh, and then every competing story is then seen as false. But that also ties into also what uh, you, you mentioned before about uh, discipleship and how discipleship is so important in teaching this and not only teaching it in, in, a, in a mental way, but also helping somebody walk alongside and walk in this story um, through their marriage, through their child uh, uh, rearing, through um, all the problems that they that they face, but seeing that this story is the ultimate story that, that um, identifies us and our identity is rooted in the story. So yeah. I think that's kind of where, where I'd start. There's that return to reality again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so Zach, let's, Zach, let's take that to the, to the individual level then. So how do you, how would you, how would you pastorally counsel someone um, in terms of, you know, I I'm trying to go deeper in the word. I'm trying to increase my, my relationship with Christ via the word. Um, you know, how would you then encourage people to do that? What would you practically encourage them to do aside from sort of the trite, make sure you're having your quiet time and reading a chapter of the scriptures a day. That's right. I think I'd want to reshape expectations as to what does it mean to commune with God in Christ and to be spirit filled. We've talked a lot in this episode, I think about the importance of being rooted in scripture. I think some listeners could be mistaken to think that we're Bible people and not Holy Spirit people. Amen. But clearly that's not what we're not creating that false dichotomy here because who um, is the one who brought Holy Scripture into its inspired uh, existence? The Holy Spirit. Who's the one that accompanies uh, Holy Scripture? What's the Holy Spirit? Who's illumining our hearts? And so it's one of of Calvin's nicknames, right? Is the theologian of the Holy Spirit. Exactly right. Exactly. And so when we think about reshaping our expectations, you know, we are, you know, I know that you asked me to start out about the individual here, but I think that begins in worship to have our expectations reshaped. Mm-hmm. What does spirit saturated worship look like? Well, spirit saturated worship looks like scripture saturated worship. Amen. And so as we begin to then, I would all liken it almost a detox to get ourselves away from the drug 
of broad evangelical worship that is so emotionally charged and then moving into a more biblical form of worship where scripture is everywhere, that also then shapes your personal piety as well to begin to reshape our expectations that I'm not coming to it and expecting to have this mountaintop experience per se. Right. I'm coming to it as a discipline and trusting that by my Bible reading, by my use of liturgical prayers, but also my own extemporaneous prayers from the heart for the both and approach that I might not have like the tingling sensation that occurs uh, within, you know, the broad evangelical worship, but I'm actually having real communion with God in Christ as I um, am reading scripture as a discipline, as I'm praying prayers as a discipline and as I'm allowing these things to shape my, my personal piety. So while we might, you know, want to, um, you know, the, we, I think that Bible reading um, programs is important. I think that discipline and rhythms of morning and evening prayer are uh, essential and that having the Bible as part of that, both in like what you said, Matt, about reading the reading chapters of Bible, the Bible, yes. Uh, praying liturgical prayers, yes. These things are bringing the Bible to us and in, in a very um, broad formational way. So singing the Psalms, or maybe I think in your Anglican tradition, maybe more chanting the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, these are the kinds of things that are the, the piety that, is handed down from us uh, to us from our forefathers. And um, rather than resting on the latest and greatest flavor um, of ice cream, let's, let's, let's hear what, um, let's see what Christian piety looks like from the, the Christian tradition that comes down to us. And we're recipients of that tradition as well. Sure. So yeah, ways of bringing the Bible to us. Well, let me, let me throw this one out at both of you. So in terms of that individual, um, individual studying the Bible. So I, I get a lot, um, not necessarily from my parishioners, but in the course of my ministry, I have gotten people coming to me and saying, you know, I want to spend more time with the Bible. I want to study the Bible, but the Bible is so hard to understand. Uh, you know, which, I mean, occasionally that might be a cop-out. Sure, we, we get that. Um, but I've had some very, very genuine people, you know, these folks who don't, you know, they don't have theology degrees, they don't have, you know, MDivs or, or whatever. Um, and they're just, you know, coming to me and saying, you know, the scriptures are really hard to understand, you know, what can you recommend to help me? So uh, for me, right out of the gate, I usually recommend a good study Bible, you know, the, you know, uh, you know, the ESV study Bible, the Reformation Heritage study Bible, um, you know, things like that. But, you know, what would, what would you guys for the individual person who wants to spend time studying the scriptures, understanding them further, just on sort of a basic level, what do you guys throw out there? What do you guys recommend to folks? Um, I think that, you know, you're, you're absolutely, you're, you're right in terms of, uh, you know, study Bible. I think that can be very helpful because as you're reading along and you don't understand something, you can glance down at the notes uh, at the bottom of the page and maybe get an explanation that's helpful. There's also some, some very helpful lay level commentaries like the, uh, the Reformation um, or the, the uh, Reformed Expository um, um, commentary series. And they're more, it's more sermonic 
So you're it's, it's almost like reading sermons, basically. Uh, but but it's a, it's a nice way where you're not going to get bogged down in Greek or Hebrew, but you're going to get kind of the gist of what the passage is about. So I think that's a, a, a great way, too. But also, I would encourage people just to keep reading. Um, so last year, I was chatting with a lady who read the Bible for the first time. And she did like a, one of those read the Bible in a year things. And she said to me at the end, she said, I, I didn't really understand a lot of it. Like there was a lot over my head, you know, where you're in Ezekiel, you're in Zechariah, you, you, even some of the historical stuff, you're not really sure what's happening. And she, she was really confused by, by many sections in there, but she also got a lot out of it. You know, she was in the Gospels of John or, 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 or the Psalms or uh, Paul's writings like um, she got a lot of great nuggets out of it. She didn't get everything. But also, I think that sometimes people have this expectation, like, you know, if I run into one thing that I don't understand, then we'll just forget it. And it's like, well, no, keep reading. Um, I, you know, I've I try to read the Bible through every year, and every year I see things that I haven't seen previous years. And so, and and this this uh, this lady I was chatting with who read the Bible for the first time didn't understand a lot of it, but now she's going back reading it a second time, and more things are are kind of you know she's understanding more, you know, and obviously sitting under the preaching of the Word week after week will help yes. with this as well. So, you know, in my in the the last episode from last week that I just uh, that I put out, I mentioned, you know, I said rather bluntly and rather starkly that, uh, you know, if folks are attending churches where the word is not being faithfully exposited, uh, you know, faithfully preached from the, from behind the pulpit, if they're getting movie clips or, you know, topical sermons with one brief line of scripture, that's not really taught. It's like, you need to find a new church. That's right. <laughs> you know, your pastor should be teaching you how to read the Bible. He needs to be teaching that. I mean, there's more to a sermon than that. There has to be at least that. Right. 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 Well, there was something I, there was something I posted on my Facebook last week. That was a little, a little uh, quote nugget from Steve Lawson. And he said, there are two kinds of pastors, those who preach the Bible and those who should resign. There you go. Um, <laughs> Not right. Uh, and I, I think that's, I think he nails it. I think that's absolutely right. You can always count on him for good, good right. one-liners. You could put it in a different way. There's two kinds of shepherds. One is a true shepherd and one is a false shepherd. Amen. Amen one who's an under shepherd, faithful to bring the Bible to bear. And one who should, like you said, resign because up to that point, you're only a false shepherd. Very good. Well, you know, and on that, on that note, and we'll, we can, we can uh, bring it to a close with this. Um, you know, talking about those shepherds, you know, there might be some some guys who are listening to this, um, you know, who, you know, maybe they might be feeling a tug from the Lord to enter into the gospel ministry. Um, you know, maybe they're getting some encouragement in that way from their congregations um, that, a, that a genuine call might be there. Um, in what way, in terms of preparation with the word, would you encourage those guys? I'll jump in here. I think that back to what Brandon was saying, I just say, just read the Bible a lot. And again, if, if you're not understanding everything, that's okay. We're not trying to be the masters here. We are the, the servants and we are the ones who are coming before a God who is himself mystery. And we have to understand that one of the ways that we are humbled is by uh, coming away from scripture saying, I don't understand everything, but read it over and over and over and uh, I think that that um, would be just the very beginning of, of, um, of encouragement there. 
um, reading those kinds of uh, books that uh, help you understand the Bible that have been trusted across the generations, I think is also important too. Um, those classics that um, will, uh, you know, Calvin's Institutes, of course, or the confessional standards of your, of your tradition, whether it's the 39 articles in the book of common prayer, absolutely read those. Matthew, read Henry. The, how, Matthew Henry, exactly. You know, how to read catechism within our traditions is a, is a real help and guide here. Um, going back to Augustine's confessions, those kinds of books where you know, you're being brought back to the um, uh, you know, s- central things that uh, have been reliable guides um, as we you know, read the Bible over and over and are guided into it by those uh, trusted um, fathers in the faith. That, that'd be an initial place I'd go. Very good. Brandon, any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, just to echo all of that, you know, um, keep reading the Bible over and over again, uh, and also read good books. You, you mentioned a lot of good books. Um, I'd probably toss in there Pilgrim's Progress as well, John Bunyan's classic. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but we keep, um, we keep bringing Baptists into this conversation. Yeah. Bounce from a bone here and there, right? <laughs> we do. We do. Most the most published most published Baptist in history, as I understand it. Yes. Yes. For good reason. Um, and then also being in community, I think it's helpful, uh, n- not trying to be some some um, isolated person studying on your own, uh, but being in in fellowship with others, you know, as iron sharpens iron. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing we haven't quite mentioned yet, that I think is a really good practice is whatever your pastor is preaching through, then why don't you read a book that's alongside that? You know, oh, nice. he's preaching yeah. through, like we're preaching through Matthew right now, say, you know, to our people, like read through something about Matthew and read Matthew a lot. That doesn't mean the only thing you're reading, but do that too. I know that you guys use the lectionary a lot. You know, read uh, the lectionary along with what, you know, Pastor Matt's preaching. And so those kinds of resources, I think, are important. We really make the best use possible of the means of grace on the Lord's day. And to as you dig deep there and you drink deeply on the Lord's day, then I think that you're going to find that your um, your daily rhythms are going to be uh, more uh, beneficial to you as well. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Hey guys, I want to thank you guys so much for, uh, some, for taking time to, uh, to join me today and, uh, you know, love you guys in the Lord. Uh, and, uh, I want to just, um, point everybody, my, my own listeners, uh, the, you know, dozen or so of you that there are <laughs> that, uh, you guys, if you haven't already go check out the Cincy reform podcast, these guys put out great material. Um, what do you guys, what you I know, did you guys release an episode today or was it we yesterday? Did. Yeah, no, we, uh, we, uh, dropped one today and it's on, um, is reformed theology merely five points. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. So maybe, maybe diving, you know, going beyond tulip into the confessional, uh, aspects a little bit more. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So, and also if you guys are on the West side of Cincinnati, uh, go check out West side reform church and, uh, go visit those guys for the Lord's day and sing Psalms and, and, uh, receive, uh, from the pulpit there and fellowship and all that good stuff. So if you get a chance, go check them out. Uh, and once again, I want to remind all of you guys that if you guys like what you hear, uh, subscribe to the podcast, share it and, uh, give us all the love that uh, you can and God willing, Uh, It is a benefit to you and to those who are listening. May God bless you guys. Before I sign off today, I want to just say we are recording this podcast today, uh, even though you will not be probably listening to it on that day, but today is Memorial Day. 
And I want to take a moment to just uh, thank the Lord for all of those who have served, who are currently serving, for those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice um, in, in service of this country. We thank the Lord for them, for their families, for their loved ones, and for um, the freedoms that they have helped buy. And so with all of that, uh, have a wonderful, wonderful day, a wonderful week. I pray that the Lord blesses you on the next coming Lord's Day with a wonderful time of worship uh, and, a and a day of rest. God bless you guys, and we will see you next time.